You're listening to Off the Back Foot, a Gloucestershire County cricket fan podcast with me, Graham Jones. Before we start the usual introduction to the podcast, uh, I'd just like to highlight Fred Collinson. Fred is the opening bowler for Gloucestershire under 15s and was uh, diagnosed with a rare but treatable form of bone cancer back in September 2020. Um, Fred is currently undergoing treatment in Bristol and his teammates, the wonderful team that they are, have decided to organise a 24-hour net on the 2nd and 3rd of January 2021 to raise money um, for the E-Wings Sarcoma Research Trust. Um, During 24 hours, they aim to beat Alistair Cook's record of scoring 12,472 test match runs. Each ball hit in the net session will count as one run. Um, So if you'd like to go and support this brilliant cause, um, you can go on to Virgin Money Giving and uh, follow the link there, or I'll also pop the link on the Twitter feed. So uh, please do check that out, and uh, it's a great cause. So it is part two of our Christmas special 2020 with Geraint Jones. Uh, we start with the 2005 Ashes and the impact that had on his career in life. Uh, we talk about his time at Kent. We chat a bit more in depth about wicketkeeping and then obviously his move to Gloucestershire and beyond. So I hope you enjoy. And then 2005, quiet year. Yeah, I don't, don't recall it to be honest. Um, I think uh, yeah, we all we all had a bit of a quiet year. I know it was incredible, wasn't it? Um, still gets still gets talked about now. To be fair, um, yeah, lots. It's you know, especially over lockdown, I've I've done a few zooms and um, talked about it, and uh, it's still you know, it is an incredible moment that um, you know we're all getting a bit older as to those who remember it and the kids. Kids I sort of see at school don't have a clue about it, um, you know. So it's it's that generation uh, who lived it. It's such it is still so vivid and uh, special for them, and uh, and and they love to talk about it. And and to be fair, I you know I really enjoy talking about it as well. So it's um it's not a hardship as, at all to talk about two thousand and five. No, I bet. Um, I th- I always think that the T twenty that that started the, with, with the Aussies really set the tone, didn't it? I know John. I spoke to John Lewis about it ages ago. He was the first person I had on the party. Great guy. Um, but it set the tone, didn't it? And you opened the bat in that game, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it did. Sort of, there'd been some murmurings about it with One Day Cricket and uh, Fletch. Fletch sort of liked the way I batted and the style, and figured that it it may suit to the top of the order. And um, yeah, Brett Lee steaming in, he bowled. You know, uh, and I remember, you know, really clearly thinking because uh, I played against Brett Lee when I was. 18, 19. Uh, I was playing for Queensland Colts and he was playing for New South Wales and, and I got 85 in that match. So I'd come across him and I knew I knew he had gas and but I also knew what what to look out for. So in a way I was quite prepared. Uh still bricking it, but <laughs> you know <laughs> and I but I do remember sort of thinking, okay, there's no, you know, there's a as a keeper, you know, if you get tense, your movement's slow. You're actually, you need to be relaxed. And, you know, that's what Jack Russell used to talk to me so much about was, you know, being relaxed from your shoulders down because then you you, you can throw your hands, you, you, your speed is there. Where as soon as you get tense, you become slower. So for some silly reason, I just, all I did when he was running in, I just stopped doing everything. I just relaxed and just focused on my breathing. So rather, you know, a lot of people would be tapping their bat. And I do remember clearly just standing there, hardly move, just breathing in and out, in and out. And um, he bowled a thunderbolt back early on. And I just, I don't know how I did it, because I thought I've just stood still. <laughs> but I allowed my reactions and I whacked one and it just skimmed past his head and uh, went for four and uh, set a bit of the tone. And I trez the other end. and um, But our, our whole summer was based around standing up to the Aussies and um, and competing with them because 
you know, if you look historically before that, they probably didn't respect England playing cricket. You know, they dominated for for the you know the previous eighteen years, and and so this was our chance because we'd had an incredible run into it. You know, we the the previous home summer, we'd won every Test match. Then we went to South Africa and uh, and had an incredible summer out there. Won that Test series. So we'd been on an amazing journey as a as a group and as a team of success. And so meeting Australia when we did in 2005 came at the right time. Um, and we were confident to be able to stand up to them toe-to-toe. And it was a, a measured choice that in any situation when that would arise, that's exactly what we would do. And, you know, they, and in that, you know, so... The Australians, I've heard a few of them talk since that, you know, they're really surprised by the way as a team, if anything happened, we all were in there and we were in their face and they hadn't experienced that. And, but that was a definite choice by us to, to not just meekly play against them. It was to stand up toe to toe, take them on um, and show them what we felt we were capable of doing. Yeah, I mean, before we jump into the, the couple of test matches, which we will, there was also the one day, was it Nat West, whatever it was, final, wasn't there? It was a tied game, and you, memory serves, you you had a decent game then as well. Yeah, um, I think it took a man of the match. I got 70 yeah. and took five catches. And, That's uh, right, yeah. So you see what I mean on crap with stats, we just remember you having a good game. <laughs> yeah, um, I only remember the good stuff as well. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and... Yeah, that was the first one. We played two one-day series. That's it, yeah. And it was nuts because that 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 game there where it was tied and that would have been the perfect way to enter into the Ashes. Um, but again, we're, we're in a load of trouble. So, um, you know, not chasing a massive target. Uh, we'd, we'd bowled incredibly to, to keep them to that. Uh, and then we got in some early trouble and Collie and I came together um, and rebuilt the partnership and got closer, um, and then and and then I got I, I think Collie got run out and then I, I got out as well um, in a short space of time and left left Ashley Giles to uh, to clip the winning runs uh, the 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 tie the let score leveling runs and so um, but it just showed as well that we weren't going to you know, roll over and let them tickle our belly. We, we were going to, in every situation, we were going to stand up and, and compete with them. And um, for me personally, to be able to do that leading into the Ashes, because there was a bit of debate if I should be picked or not, because to be, you know, I dropped my first share of catches. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, that, that happened. Um, but again, I always felt I bounced back and I, I contributed to the teams. Yes, I spilt some catches, but I then would contribute in other ways to almost level it out. Uh, and that was a match there where my contribution, again, gave me some confidence, gave a bit of stock back to me and uh, and helped me go into those, into that test series after a pointless three-match, another three-match one-day series. That was it, yeah. The one before was the tri-series with Bangladesh, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah. Um yeah, so obviously the Lord's Test match didn't didn't go so much to plan, did it? But you know, KP's knock and things like that—that's that sort of just gave us a, a, a sniff of hope, still, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. That was KP coming into Test cricket. I remember batting with him when he got his fifty. Um, yeah, so that, again, that was his chance to to put his marker down in Test match. Uh, yeah, we had. A, that first test match at Lords was just unbelievable for the atmosphere. Um, in in the pavilion itself, uh, never experienced anything like it before or after. Um, all the you know, with the number of times I've walked through there, it was just unbelievable. Uh, all the hype had built up through the T20s, the One Dayers, uh, our performances over the last eighteen months. So that walk down from the changing room through the long room where literally it was shoulder width the whole way. Whereas usually you can get out of the change room down the stairs and then you hit the long room and it can be quite busy. This, the whole way was packed. So we had to snake our way through and the noise, you know, they were screaming, clapping, shouting, and it just was unbelievable. And then it was even louder when we came off at lunch because we had taken 
few wickets. Gilchrist was in at lunch, uh, and then it went downhill from there. <laughs> did you? Um, obviously, we went to Edgebaston, and Glenn McGrath did his, did his ankle and whatever. And um, were you getting a sense, especially throughout that Edgebaston game, about the media presence? Because it, it just seemed to grow, didn't it? It became a massive thing. You know, even before we'll come on to the catch in a bit, but just it became massive, didn't it? Were, were you aware of that in the in the squad bubble? Uh, yeah, we we yeah we had a good idea. You know, that it was all that the hype that was around it. Um, my dad was over at the time. Uh, he was actually doing more interviews than I was. I was, you know, he because he, he he spoke Welsh as you know that was it. That's his his first language. So he was on BBC Wales all the time, and he was in the pay. So it was, and when that was going on, I was a bit like, okay, yeah, there's 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 a lot lot going around this series, and um, you know, it's in the papers all the time because the press, you know, the guys that work in the press love their cricket. You know, you wouldn't believe it at times with some of the stuff they write, but it comes from the right place. A lot of it is they are first and foremost, they absolutely love cricket and they want England to be doing so well, you know, to that's what they want. You know, the natural ebb and flow of cricket means there's ups and downs and, you know, they do do focus on some negatives, but first and foremost, they wanted us to do well. Um, you know, that was always evident, but uh, yeah, just, the num- sheer numbers that were around was was you know it was pretty mind-boggling. I mean, we we could talk ball for ball through the Edgebaston test, can we? But as Warney's knocking off the runs, you're waiting for something to happen. What's going through your mind? What what's Vaughney saying? What you know, Freddie's got the ball in hand, and Harmy. How's it going? What's what's the thought processes? Started off pretty jovial, um, you know, as you'd expect, 120 odd to win, couple of wickets needed. Um, but then as it went on and on, it became far more nervous. You know, Ashley Giles, that was his home ground. He was saying things like, we're not going to get out of here alive. I'll never be able to play here again. <laughs> so it was all that. And it, it was just, it was a bit surreal. Um, you know, when people have asked me before, I, I've said about how I distinctly remember walking out that morning and the Aussie crowd in their yellow shirts, the fanatics, uh, there was a big group of them. And as we were walking out, they were singing how many runs to go. And obviously every run that got lower and lower. And that stuck with me right from that. And I heard that and I was like, oh, I don't, don't really like that. that. You know, that could get, if they keep going on and on, you know, that I don't want to hear that, but that's what happened. And, uh, but we were, you know, we, we were just trying to be fair to the Aussies, you know, they batted, and well, you know, Warney in that series was incredible with the bat as well as the ball. Um, but when I look back at it, his dismissal was so strange. You know, he playing a flick and off his, and he somehow kicks over the stumps. You know, I've never seen a dismissal like it. And I don't, even when I look at it, I think, how on earth has he got in that position, managed to do it? And thankfully he did because. <laughs> Without that, you know, they would we sort of had run out a bit of, of options. You know, he'd we'd thrown everything at them. Jilo had had a bowl, um, you know, and so we were the guy, although it was only a session's worth of play on the rest of the test match, the guys were pretty shattered. And so it was, you know, they were they were really at the drawing on a lot of energy to on that last morning, and um, and and so. But as it got closer and closer, um, you know, there's a few that crazy hard catch went down to Simon, you know, and he he spilt it. But even after that, I still felt we're we've, we're going to get a chance, and more than likely because I'd spilled a couple of catches at Lords, uh, which had fueled the fire for the press. I I had in my mind that more than likely something will come my way. It's just the way my sort of my career went, there was always a bit of a chance to reset the wrongs and, uh, and, and rebalance stuff. So I clear in my mind that I was going to get a catch. Uh, what not? Yeah. Maybe what wasn't as clear was if I was going to catch it or not. <laughs> that was the, that was the, but I always had that belief and that was the, you know, the, and I remember, um, you know, there's a, I can't remember, remember being told 
that when it gets down to situations like that, make sure that you are fully focused on the job that you need to do. Because if you're worrying about other stuff and you're losing a, a percent of your focus can can lead to missing that opportunity. So I was making sure I was fully focused on an opportunity. And, and in the end, it was a fairly straightforward, slow, loopy catch. Um, but still, that moment of seeing it come towards me, being able to watch it go into my gloves and the relief as I rolled over to see Billy Bowden's crooked finger going up. Um, the emotions that we all showed, but for me especially because, yeah, I've been in the press a bit about keeping ability. Um, you know, even in this test match, there's a few, th- a few buys went past. And so the outpouring of emotion for me was, you know, I can't remember anything like it. Uh, Ash Trez, first of all, tried to grab me because I was going a bit nuts. Uh, he had tried to give me a hug, but I broke free of him and I went over to those fans and, you know, a few gestures and, and comments their way to, to say thanks for the support they'd given me. <laughs> that morning. And, um, you know, but then, then Ashley Giles tried and I broke free of him. And uh, so I missed all the Harmy and uh, Brett Lee stuff. Oh, sorry, Freddie and Brett Lee, because Harmy shook his hand first. And then there was that iconic picture yeah. of Freddie and Brett. Um, yeah, so I missed all that. I was too busy being a bit of a prat <laughs> running around the outfield. Um, but that was just because of what had built up that morning and, and what that win meant to us, because bouncing back from that first test match, uh, Vaughn had spoken to us about the need to do it and to get that close uh, to not doing it when we dominated that test match was, um, you know, just huge amounts of emotion. And then it was your your knock at Trent Bridge, wasn't it? I suppose which was your other highlight moment of of that Ashes series. Was, would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, easily. Um, you know that not one seven seven partnership with with Freddie. Mm. Uh, he and I clicked right from you know he was batting when I made my debut, um, and right from. We clicked as friendship and we clicked out in the middle. We just worked. He, you know, he was a strong front foot player. You know, he'd whack the ball, whack the ball back past the bowler, whereas I would sit back and cut and pull. So it probably made it tough for a bowling unit to bowl to us as a pair. And uh, I remember someone giving a, giving me a stat um, quite a few test matches in that Freddie and I averaged over 60 as a pair for, for our, what would that be, fifth wicket partnership. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we, we really enjoyed each other's company and, and, and that's that Trent bridge, uh, batting sort of, you know, that one seven, seven was exactly that he was whacking the ball back past the bowlers and I was cutting and pulling and, um, we just really supported each other. And so for me to see him get his hundred and, you know, carry on what he'd done at Trent bridge and, uh, was, it was incredible. And it's, me not getting my own hundred was is probably sits as um, one of my biggest regrets in in cricket uh, because I didn't trust the guys coming in enough. Uh, I I tried to get there too quick, whereas I just batted for that eighty five runs and really and truly I, I should have just kept batting. Whereas, but instead I tried to hit Mike Kasparovic out of Trent Bridge and. Well, Got an inside edge onto my pad and got caught and bowled. That's how hard I was trying to hit it. Um, so, but, and then going into the second innings, uh, Warney came in, the pressure. You know, we didn't have a massive total. Um, I came in when there was about a dozen to, to win, I think. Um, and, you know, probably got some, I got, definitely got some stick for it, but, my decision to run down and try and hit Warney uh, back over his head was, was clear in my mind, you know, because I felt that that one blow would deflate and get us into a, a position where one boundary could win, the, you know, win the test match and uh, didn't quite go to plan. Uh, missed the middle by half an inch, uh, Lobbed it to mid off and trudged off to uh, to many Chris Reed supporters at Trent Bridge, telling me uh, what a poor decision that was. <laughs> you, you live and die by those sort of decisions, though, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I, 
you know, because the situation, if I'd have just nudged and nerdled and the, the pressure, uh, pressure does things and funny things to you. And, um, you know, warning being the body, he probably would have got me out if I had shut up shop and just tried to get them in ones more than like, so, but you know, that's what I said. My, the decision I made was, was clear in my head there and yeah, it didn't work, but, uh, I don't have any regrets other than not hitting it in the middle and smashing it for six. You know, that, that's, that was the bit that went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, everybody knows what happened. The Oval happened. And then those iconic celebrations, the, the bus tour, uh, Downing Street. How, how, how did you find all that? Did it seem a bit much at the time or, or were you just enjoying the ride? Yeah, I was just, again, along for the ride. I let, you know, I was down the back. Uh, at one point, I because the the women's team were behind us, uh, and, you know, and they they'd had a great series as well. So I remember at one point I had a Dalek on my head with Aussies exterminated <laughs> on the front of it, and I was sort of on the bus being a bit of a fool and thought, what am I doing? And threw it threw it to the girls, and um, but yeah, that whole morning was um, very surreal, pretty incredible. Um, you know, I don't think they'll follow up with celebrations like that after you know because of you know, they're still talking about us having MBEs for doing it all these years later and stuff. But ultimately, it was an amazing summer and it did it did sort of affect people and, it you know, it gave them uh, just a, such a great summer. You know, people still tell me stories of where they were at certain moments, you know, when, when I took the catch, um, you know, some of, the, some of the crazy things that, that got mostly men were, were doing um, to either avoid watching or, you know, just on the back of watching, you know, stacking the dishwasher into the fridge and stuff like that. Like, truly, some of the, you know, um, so it, it's, it was part of it. It felt quite right at the time because of the build up and uh, the way that the country was as we traveled around playing the matches The And it showed by the amount of people that, came out and lined the streets and then was were in Trafalgar Square. It, it showed what it meant to people over the course of that summer. Yeah, 100%. I don't think we've had a summer like it up until 2019, winning the World Cup and that, and the Ben Stokes innings, I guess. That, that took me back, you know, that sort of, it, that that put me in a position. I remember thinking, watching it, um, you know, watching it on the telly and thinking, this is how people probably felt watching in 2005 yeah. um you know to be sitting there watching it on terrestrial telly uh you know super over all that sort of stuff it was like okay i can understand why people talk the way they do about 2005 because living through the world cup win must you know it was as close as i could get to what people felt in 2005 yeah 100 uh, yeah that's a great comparison. Um, so after after that it was a subcontinent tour, wasn't it? How how do you find playing in in the subcontinent for your batting game and and keeping as well with spinners? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge. Um, I was getting, conf you know, I was I made a choice after that Ashes series, um, ups and downs with keeping. Um, I made a choice to stop sort of trying to please others as to how I should keep. I know it sounds nuts, you know, probably 30 match, test matches into my career, but um, it was always something throughout growing up. I've never had masses of keeping coaching. Um, and so I always felt a bit like I'm not, you know, you know I, was, I always was searching a bit as to keeping because, you know, I, I would make mistakes along the way and I desperately wanted to get rid of those and um, trying to work out how I would do it. And so I made a choice as to how I wanted to keep before I went to, to Pakistan and it was to relax a bit more, you know, um, worked on the, worked on the gloves I was wearing to try and get some, a better comfort level of them. And, and so when I made that decision about how I wanted to keep uh, it changed, changed the way I kept you know, it, it instantly, and I kept, I felt I kept really well uh, in Pakistan and going on beyond that, um, you know, and so 
So that side of it, the Ashes helped to do that. But, you know, I love going to... That was a tough series in Pakistan because Joey Bakhtar had been revved up, you know, Bob Wilmer had had a chat with him and obviously we'd won the Ashes. So it was a great chance for them to show what they were capable of. Um, and and they came at us, at, at us so hard. It was, uh, you know, there's a bit of a doubt about the, the tour. Um, it was around the time there was a big earthquake, I think, happened. And so security was in doubt. Uh, I remember at our first test match, one of the gas fridges on the side blew up. We, that's it. We thought we were packing our bags. The changing room we were in, there was glass fronts and it was it was sort of vibrating and you know, we have a massive explosion when we're worried about security anyway. That a lot of us thought we were we were going home. But that was the one so Shaida Freedy took that opportunity to do a strictly twirl all the way up the pitch. So when we came off, and he subsequently got banned after that test match. Um but you know, the rest of us were sort of wondering what on earth is going on. And it wasn't until we went back out there, I think Sky picked it up and then KP, they must have said KP. And when they went out there, they looked and there was literally just stud swirls all the way up the pitch. And, um, uh, and so, you know, that was a bit of a, a weird moment when you had such concerns and someone went and did that to the pitch. And uh, uh, But then when he came back, he was like, treated like an absolute hero. Yeah, <laughs> it was, And that was just the, that's the, the way that they saw him, you know, he was almost, he was even bigger, more of a hero. The fact that he'd done that to the wicket when he came back in the one day series. And, um, but it was, but again, I, again, I scored some decent runs in that. I remember getting a batting for 50 to be 50, not out to help save a test match. Had Shelly back to us steaming around the wicket, just trying to hit me, uh, you know, at the end of it end of the test match trying to get me out and uh, he resorted to right I was sorry, taking blows on the you know on, on the ribs and shoulders just but I was really proud you know survived that and and we held on for that test match so uh you know I, I enjoyed that so I probably I wasn't a good enough player of spin at that point I developed that as I went on and as I went back to Kent and played the rest of my career, I felt I became a good player of spin at international level. Um, at that point, I wasn't a good enough player of spin. And then the, the next summer, uh, I think it's Sri Lanka tour, don't they? And was it South Africa? Um, yeah, I didn't play much of that. Um, what was that? So we then went... No, Pakistan tour. Sri Lanka and Pakistan tour. Yeah, I didn't play, so I missed out on a bit of that. So, so I played at the start and yeah. um, broke my last match. I broke my finger uh, in a test match at Old Trafford, um, but also I hadn't scored the runs. It it came at a, it was a, I, I was probably going to get dropped anyway, uh, but because I broke my finger, I couldn't play. I went back and I didn't miss a match for Kent, but it it meant, you know, my time at that point of England was was up. Uh, for that summer and really came in and um, and did quite well and so I went back to Kent to gain a bit of confidence and and in the hope I would get picked on that Ashes trip um, that coming winter. Yeah do you think it helped Freddie being captain your selection or did you did you, did you merit the selection because of your previous record? Yeah I think the, the previous few years yeah you know helped help that and and what they what they saw in me, um, possibly, you know, I've never asked Fred if he had any influence on that. Um, yeah. So it, it, it definitely, you know, my, I'd like to think that my character got me on that, on that trip. Um, you know, I was, I was surprised to find out that I'd be playing the first test test match, um, considering Reedy had finished the, yeah. um, you know, the, the summer with the man with the gloves. Um, so when I got told quite early on and it was announced to the press quite early on, that that, that didn't help me at all because um, I, I didn't, hadn't gone there particularly with the mindset that I would be playing those early test matches. It was, it was in working to a bit like back to full circle, working for an opportunity during a, uh, during a, a tour match to, put my name back up there and, and, and start afresh. So being thrown back into it and being told so early, uh, 
put a load of pressure on me, um, which by the time I got to Perth in the, the third test match, uh, Fletcher had already asked me if, if I was up to it, you know, was I, uh, you know, and I, of course I said, yes, you know, that, I felt, you know, because I felt that I felt all right in the nets and, and I just needed something to, you know, wicket keeping. I was, I was happy with, with where that was, felt it was consistent at a, and at a good level. Um, but I just knew that the batting was eating away at me and um, trying lots, probably trying too hard in a way um, to get that score. And uh, so when I got to Perth and I scored naught in the warm up match, put more pressure on me. Um, and I got naught in the first innings. Uh, and so, so then when I got my third naught at Perth, uh, I knew my time was up. So walking off, uh, I knew that I wouldn't be playing for England again on that tour and, and possibly for, for a long time. Um, but I need, I needed, I needed that because mentally I was, I was empty. I had, um, I'd give, given everything to, to the cause to try and score runs. Um, and so I, when I say I was empty, I was, my actual brain was, was full of probably over, overworking. Um, but, uh, I didn't have anything more to give to, in a way to work out what was going on. I needed a break. Um, and so thank you know <laughs> I spent the last two test matches that took so Sydney and Melbourne two pretty good places to have a break to be fair um I I enjoyed my last you know the re the rest of that tour there's a I had a group of friends over there in Sydney um you know I was showing up blurry eyed to do my fielding 12th man uh, I didn't get in particularly early any night but I needed it because yeah. you know it had been a it had been a tough sort of couple of years at the highest level, trying to be the best I could and, and not having this, the ultimate success I wanted. So that little blowout came at the right time. And um, I still battled coming back for Kent. You know, it was, it still took me a while to transition back in uh, because I wanted to show why I'd been playing test cricket for the previous three and a half years. Um, you know, I felt I should be dominating and, um and again, I, you know, a pivotal moment where um, I remember playing a match for Kent where I hadn't scored the runs I'd wanted and I um, I just was was sat there waiting to bat, uh, playing against Surrey um, at, oh, I'm trying to, trying to think of the name of the school they often play at. Is it Whitgift? Whitgift, yeah. That's, yeah. So playing against Surrey at Whitgift, uh, decided just to, listen to some music and read a book when I was waiting to bat because I'd probably getting too worked up. Um, it was a bit, it was a mind book. It was by, there's a bit of a legendary golf sort of psychologist called Bob Rotella, who is known for his sort of, uh, he worked with Podrick Harrington. And so I was just reading that um, quite calmly, wait, uh, but not taking any interest in the game. And, um, and I went out and scored a hundred and that sort of got me back and, and got me back into it and uh because up until that point i was battling with enjoyment and um purely because of pressure i was putting on myself to succeed and to prove to people why i was worthy of being selected for england for you know the, the number of times i did yeah i mean do you, do you feel sympathy with the, with the likes of joss butler and johnny bairstow you know, the recent keeper batsmen who, who have faced criticism or can you understand why they're facing the criticism similar to what you had uh, yeah, in, in a way, yeah, I, I do feel for them because it's uh, I've been in that position and it's not not an easy uh, task, uh, especially when you know when uh, Ed Smith brought Joss back in, sort of out of out of nowhere without without a real um, red ball pedigree. You know, he hadn't done if done if he'd scored many hundreds, if any, for Somerset at that point. No. Um, unbelievable white ball player and uh, and these days that's a, that's your way in you you show your wares at white ball cricket and it gets you your in to test cricket is is the way i think is the pathway now um you get that opportunity first in white ball and then they look at you if you can play red ball whereas my sort of time was you played test cricket uh and then you were considered 
you can play test cricket, you can play white ball cricket as well. Um, yeah, so I do feel for them. I felt for Johnny because, you know, um, he'd worked hard and I've, I felt when he was in possession, he, uh, you know, he's, I felt he was a better batter than Joss. Um, you know, his keeping still needed some some work on, but I, I knew that he was working hard on that. Um, you know, I'm a bit torn with watching them keep because, uh, you know, the way Frenchie worked with Matt Pryor to turn him into the best in the world, uh, to give him his the method that Matt kept with, and then to see those two guys using exactly the same method, I felt a bit, are they forced, you know, is that being a bit, is that their best natural way of doing it? Yeah. And because of that, is that why they're having, is that why they're being a bit inconsistent because they're battling to fit into a mould of expectation of the style of keeping, whereas actually is there slight differences which would suit them more? So I, I felt for them in that way from a technical point of view that, and having been there, knowing what, how that feels. And, um, but we're also knowing that the competition between, you know, we're so blessed with the keepers we've, we've got, you know, test matches where you can play four keepers, you know, yeah. three of them just as batters. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy watching that side of it and, um, you know, watching them play because I, I you know, they're, they're all much better players than, than I, than I am. So or I was, uh, so to watch them do their craft, I, I love watching it. Um, back to Kent then you, you, you got a, a T20 trophy and beating Gloucestershire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty amazing really we um you know with the side we had we you know it was the coal pack boom we had we had plenty um you know and it um but we all, so i think, we were, I think simon cook was the only probably possibly the only player that hadn't played international cricket um you know, obviously darren stevens was in there so we had we had eight or nine internationals in that side yeah. um you know so and some pretty special one-day players. You know, Justin Kemp came over. Steve O was his at his prime. He was, you know, he he was uh, amazing for us. That was his T20. He was he was born for. He loved it, and um, you know, and, and excelled. So yeah, to win that for Kent was 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 special. You know, it 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 sort of as a group we knew we were capable of doing something like that. Um, uh, and so yeah, just. To, to to win that T20 was was amazing and um and and to be able to sort of go back to the Kent fans because I sort of played a played a career at Kent where uh quite often got told by board members and 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 older members that uh, oh yeah back back when we were good in the 70s and it's like oh yeah <laughs> now they had an amazing side in the 70s but when you get sort of when you get that and uh, you know that oh back when we were a good side and yeah, so to be able to go and lift a trophy, that's where I'm incredibly lucky with my career that um, I've played in some incredibly successful teams yeah. uh, all the way along. And and that that's why, you know, when it came to f- finishing, I was able to make the decision, you know, to finish with still a, a year on my contract because um, of enjoyment and success I'd had along the way. And I can understand why, players who haven't enjoyed that success want to keep playing because that they want to feel that enjoyment and that have that lifting of a trophy at, at some point uh, in their career. Yeah. On a personal level for you, I think it was 2009, you averaged over 50, didn't you? In the first class game, which, which must've been, must've been good for you on, on a personal note. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, they were, they were my best years um, playing, because you know, I had those years, that time playing for England, and I learned a lot about my way of playing um, and what what I needed to do to perform. And um, I got the opportunity to bat at three. Uh, and keep some people say, "Oh, keeping and then batting at three, it's too much hard work." But for me, it it was perfect. It you know, it fitted it my style because I knew every day what I'd be doing. You know, I knew that I, that I'd be strapping the pads on, whether they be batting or yeah. keeping, and so it 
my whole life I'd been actively involved in sport, loved playing sport, wanted to be in the middle of it doing it. So to be given the position keeping where I'm involved in every ball that we we bowl and then batting, knowing straight away pads are on, I've got the opportunity to bat for a, a long time. Um, changed a few technical things leading into that and it worked. Um, but yeah, so those, those two years batting at three... Um, were best best sort of time of me as a player. Um, you know, I, I was bitterly disappointed when I got told uh, after that that I'd be moving down to six or seven um, because I'd just I'd been smashing it the last two years. Like I say I was fifty and pretty close the following year. Yeah, and then we had, a, had a young player, Sam Northeast, who's you know gone on to become a fantastic player who'd been blooded and battered at be batting in that six or seven role and he'd sort of expressed that he wasn't happy down there and um and so it was sort of told to me over a winter that I'd be moving from three to seven and I couldn't understand it and it hurt a lot the fact that I'd worked hard and I'd put in great performances there and then just to be almost shoved down the order um at the expense of an unproven young player um, not that I, you know, not that I felt that righteous as an old player, but just through through what I delivered in those, it, that that sort of really hurt me and um, uh, yeah, disappointed me really that that decision was made. Just a quick quick one on on, pa- on Papua New Guinea. How, how did that come about? Obviously, being born there, yeah. uh, you know, having that that's a big factor. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, I, I was just, they started to rise in the cricket world. And um, I, I knew it was played in, in Papua New Guinea. Actually, in the villages, it's, uh, it thrives. And, um, and so I'd kept a bit of an eye on them. And, um, and I was, they made contact um, pretty much just after, not long after I'd finished playing for England in 2006, just to sort of a feeler um, going out there and, what I did, I had to serve, serve like a four-year quarantine period, I suppose, going from. Um, but then once that was up, I jumped at the opportunity because it came came at a perfect time for me where, you know, I knew that I wouldn't be playing for England again. Um, you know, Kent, I was doing well at. It was, you know, yeah, it was coming to that point where I think it was around that time where I'd been dropped, dropped down to the middle order, um, and then, so I, I felt a bit of a uh, bit of energy to be put back into my game, and that's what this could this could provide. And it did one hundred percent. It was I loved it, absolutely loved it. You know, playing with guys who had virtually nothing. You know, they're just playing for the love of it. Um, you know, some of them didn't have running water where they lived, electricity, and so they were. You know, they, they were going on an amazing journey. You know, so to to be a part of that really uh, intrigued me, and they actually helped me more than I probably felt I helped them because uh, they showed me why we should be why we started off playing cricket, the enjoyment you should get from cricket, um, and so when I went back to Kent, uh, I really tried to look at it with enjoyment and enjoy it for the fact that I'm being played paid to play a game I, I love and, um, and and take that into it. So that time for PNG was was amazing. We we got one day international status. Um, we won our first two one day games. Uh, and now it's incredible they're off there. I think they've they've qualified for the latest World Cup, haven't they? Yeah. So to, they're fully professional, whereas when I started they weren't. A lot of them just work for the board, you know, on the ground or um, so to know now that their funding is solid. These guys are professional cricketers uh, is, is amazing to have been been part of that journey. Yeah, it sounds it. And yeah, best of luck to them in, in the next uh, competition. Um, now, now on to the best part of your career, some people might say when you... Um, <laughs> When you when you moved on to Gloucestershire, how how did the move come about? Did did Owen have a have a sway in it? He might have done. Yeah, um, he was probably you know 
chatting to braces about it. So I remember uh, I always felt John Bracehall was a, you know, a really thoughtful coach. Um, I remember at Cheltenham Festival one year when I was playing for Kent, um, he had the Gloucester boys lined up in two two lines with um, white cricket balls and, or they red, whatever colour, you know, red balls they were. And they were basically, they started off by trying to juggle and then they were just throwing the balls between each other Sort of, and if it deflected, trying to catch it, and I thought, what on earth's going on here? You know, because I hadn't seen it done, and I, I spoke to him, and I asked asked him why, and it's, he said it was because they'd been playing. So it must have been red balls. They'd been playing a period of white ball cricket, and he felt that they weren't watching the red ball enough. So this was a little method, yeah, to get them. So that for me, okay, that was you know, and I hadn't really come across a coach that had, had that forward thinking. Um, element that he that openly said it and talk about the op- talk about it to the opposition. So um, in terms of so then just got chatting and he was he was keen um, to have me come down there as a elder statesman. You know he had an incredible group of younger players just needed guidance. Um, obviously you know um, Maxi Klinger came along as well, but. Uh, he felt he wanted someone at the top to to sort of lead them and, and help them along that way. And also it was that there was a bit of a carrot of moving into coaching. So Braces knew that, you know, he wouldn't be there forever and I was coming to the end of my career. So there was that sort of chat as well. And and that's how it came about. And I'm, I'm really, I'm so thankful I went there. I loved every minute of it. You know, those young guys that I got to, to play with and, and win that trophy with, um, because I went there for on loan the previous yeah. year, um, and that ended early because I I had an issue with my eye. I had a um, a retinal leak, so it meant that my right eye was blurry. I remember playing a match at Gloucester against Surrey. Um, I woke up in the morning, my right eye felt a bit weird, um, and then gradually as the day went on, it became blurry, and I couldn't tell what the depth of the ball, what pace it was coming, and uh, what speed and I went out to bat and I in homage to uh, to Jack I had to bat in sunglasses because the sun was just hurting my eye and I managed to bat for a while but I knew something wasn't right and basically some fluid had leaked through and um, was in a sort of central vision um, and I'm, I'm touched touched where I've been really lucky that it's healed naturally but that brought an end to that and so I showed in a way that I could fit into that group. I loved that in group. Um, so when I went and signed and went, you know, went back to Bristol to be with them, they just, they had me straight away as a group as to how close they were as a, as a unit. Um, you know, a, a WhatsApp would go out about meeting and meeting for a coffee. Um, and you'd have, there'd be 15 there. And it was just, so that whole element was, was incredible because it was different at Kent. You know, there wasn't that level from when I was playing. Guys were spread out more, a um, little bit older. Uh, and so for me to go into that environment with a group of youngsters who wanted to be a team as much as they did, who talked about cricket. You know, I remember going there and Craig Miles early on was talking, the bowlers, these young bowlers talking about wobble seam. And I, in all my years at Kent, I'd never heard bowlers have that sort of discussion so to go and see these young guys talking about developing a new technique new art what it was how they could mess around trying you know and you had you had benny howe with his knuckleballs and yeah so there was always cricket talk feeding into it and and how they could develop and how they could push themselves and and that really energized me and impressed me and um you know a little bit i just felt they needed to um they needed a bit of getting together as a club. So um, guys, you know, there wasn't a lot of money around and they'd, a few sacrifices had been made towards the players. And I felt they needed to just understand what playing for Gloucester meant and and how important that was and how, you know, so I, I reintroduced the baggy, baggy blue mm. um, 
cap to play under because before I looked at it and there was all they had all colored different colored baseball caps and and I just felt well actually you know get get some unity in in that level get you know traditions of the game we looked into what the badge was and made that presentation and you know so little bits like that that I felt that group really could benefit on you know we did some stuff in the changing room put up some you know again put up the badge and so it just those little elements which I felt I could feed into a bit from experience and um and understanding and 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 hopefully that would help and it it was an incredible incredible summer um and actually you know I, I made because of my enjoyment that's why I decided to retire early in a way um I was you know I had a two-year contract um I was playing well I was really happy with that and and so I remember walking along the beach at Brighton lovely day we were down there for a match um and loads of people walking on and I, I just thought actually you know what I'm having such enjoyment and looking around at these other people enjoy I'm ready for this next step of my life and so then I went went and told um went and told Dorse and I think he's a bit shocked by it um and then I was lucky enough we went on an incredible journey as a team which ended up with um me being dropped as we uh, as we walked off uh, after winning that winning that final, uh, the boys tried to chair me off, and it didn't didn't quite go to plan. But um, you know, I look back with that's some of the best memories and times of my playing cricket cricket career is is those months at Gloucester. Yeah, I mean, let's just touch firstly Maxi Klinger in the cup run that semi final knock from him was that was that pretty impressive in all your years? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Maxi was up there with the best professional I played with, you know, the, what he would do, uh, what to, to be, to perform was, was, you know, was amazing. As someone who's similar age to me, you know, he played a lot of cricket. I remember him as a, as a player, I actually played against him. Um, again, when I talked about playing against Brett Lee earlier, um, Maxie was a few years younger and he was this prodigious young talent. And we went to Victoria and I remember playing against him there. And so I knew of him, um, but what he amazed me with was his professional levels. When I was at Gloucester, he would be out there running laps and um, yeah. So to witness him and it, his success was no surprise because of the work he put in and he was just, and behind that, he was a great, great person as well. Yeah, top bloke. And when you're 50 in the final, match winning 50. Yeah. Yeah, well, I had, I had to stay out and bat for for a while because my wife and boys were still in Canterbury. Uh, they had swimming lessons. So um, the match started and I knew they'd be arriving. And, uh, <laughs> and so when I went out to bat, they weren't there. Uh, so I had to keep batting. I felt I didn't. I had to keep batting to until they arrived, so my boys could watch me bat in my last last match. Um, and at the same time, I felt I, I I had to do this for Gloucester to, you know, to to get us up to a decent total. Because um, if we got up there and um, and I was confident because I've been batting well all that summer, um, so I almost knew I'd score the runs. I my mindset was strong to not get out and um so yeah to be able to to do that score those runs in my final match um you know i i ducked off the pitch for a bit when we were fielding um because i felt i was in the firing line for uh, sangakari he was he was trying to whack jack and um and i felt oh one might come my way i might just duck off for a bit <laughs> And, uh, I was, I was up, I was in the toilet at the back and I heard this massive cheer and uh, I went, what was that? And they went, Wicket, Sanger's out. I went, oh yes, where was he caught? And it's where I was fielding. Yeah, so I took it, didn't they? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So that, that little moment. And then I just, I got to watch a bit as a spectator because I went back on and I wasn't keeping. So, you know, I was just drifting about on the boundary edge watching it for a, from afar and and that last over that's where I was and I saw you know saw the two catches happen and um, to be able to witness that pretty much as a spectator even though I was on the pitch and um, yeah it just it just was 
perfect ending to uh, what was an amazing summer and and ultimately uh, an amazing career where hugely fortunate to being a professional and and win win the trophies and and have success and play with some incredible people and 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 along the way just thoroughly enjoy what I did. Yeah, I mean, not many people get to sign off with a with a tournament win at Lords, do they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it was it was all surreal. It was just just unbelievable. And um, I say, you know, and that's why I was able to retire content, you know, because of that success and and happy. Um, the icing on the cake was the finish. You know that to be able to to be able to finish that way, walk off at Lords, go go on the victory lap with my two boys and and take them up to get to get the um, the winning medal was was you know was pretty special and uh um you know we're really thankful to be able to to do that and uh um and finish that way um and after cricket then so you, you know you're, you're into teaching uh you retain farming as well i've noticed now some of that and also a bit of coaching yeah yeah so yeah finished finished at gloss and then um since that i've been been in schools first of all started off as a, a cricket professional um at a school and then but realized i wanted more um that just being that just being a full-time coach in a school i felt i i would sort of get a bit bored of in a way i wanted more so looked into the opportunity to uh to get in a school which i could do both at and that's where i'm at now it's sort of uh in in ramsgate it's a lovely amazing little school st lawrence college where you know, just got 400. We're not not huge in the senior school. Uh, and so, yes, teaching, but a business studies, finance course. So I've, I've also, I'm coming to the end of doing a, a business and sports management degree, which I've done online. Um, I'm in the last, last module of that. So it's sort of tying up. It's been a busy, busy time. And so learning to teach, uh, going into a school, I, I end up I'm housemaster of so I'm in charge of 50 day students um, teaching the business and then yeah then at the same time I've gone off and qualified to uh, to be to be a firefighter which on Saturday actually I've got my 12 month sign off so 12 month assessment as to to make sure I'm at the right level so um, yeah I think I'm going to sleep in January <laughs> Once my course is done and you know reports, but I love it. It's um, you know the fire stuff is a bit of a replacement for the dressing room. Mm. You know that that teamwork. Uh, I remember when I was doing my initial foundation course, I, I said to the trainers that um, the level of teamwork that is needed in the fire service probably is up there with you know with with playing cricket, if not even higher than what I've experienced. Um, you know, because you need to trust the person next to you and you know the person down the end of the of the hose so that element of it has really helped um with the, with the transition and um and then and of late i've tried so I made a decision i want to get back into my coaching a bit more um you know once the degree has died down the, the fire service stuff is is leveling out you know i'm sort of ticking on quite nicely there and um, I've, I love coaching, absolutely love it, but just haven't been able to dedicate the time to it, you know, with, um, with school and, and young families. So I didn't want to be away all the time. So whereas now I'm keen to just get back into it. And um, so initially starting off as a specialist wicketkeeping coach with the, the girls pathway here in Kent um, and then a club, local club side just asked me to, to be their coach and um, and help out, which primarily is winter stuff and in preparation. On Saturdays, I, you know, Saturdays leave it to the captain. You know that that's where, um, you know, his job is. But yeah, so it's looking to looking for that coaching avenue as well. To top, you know, I love the schoolwork, so that's going to be that's going to be the main the main job. But around that, it's it's sort of fulfilment and, and enjoyment and. Um, with the fire service and coaching, you know, I can I can see that you know that's going to be a great little combination, and um, should see me through till arthritic knees and fingers and stuff. 
<laughs> when I when I need to uh, to sit down a bit more and relax. Yeah, I bet. Right. Honestly, we're going to finish in a second. Just just three or four more minutes, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. I really appreciate it. I'm going to do just a few quick fire questions, which I always do when I do player interviews. If that's all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how much you would have played at Cheltenham, but where would you rather play, Bristol or Cheltenham? Cheltenham. Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, who's the best captain you've ever had? Uh, yeah, I would say between Vaughan and Rob Key. Michael Vaughan, very calm. And uh, but yeah, Rob Key was incredibly analytic of the game and um, student. So, but probably Vaughan just, just ahead because he had a huge belief in me uh, and would come up to me in the dressing room and sort of put his arm around me and say, you got a 50 for me lad to you know and so just those little bits so you know and he was part of my best success so yeah for me Michael Vaughan just does it, just on a side does it is it not a shock then that Rob Key's doing so well in the media career he's got no 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 because I remember when he first started on that journey and he uh Keezy is a, a smart smart guy very quick um you know and would like you to believe he's a bit of a joker um, Jack the lad, but underneath that, I met he. I can see him doing incredible amounts of research, and his knowledge is unbelievable. Um, and so he, that's why he's fitted in so well with that because his his ability to have a laugh, um, love love taking the mick. You know, that's what if he got bored in the change room, it'd be look out. You know, I can remember him making Joe Denley put on a cricket bat and Keezy whacking tennis, uh, making Joe put on a helmet and Keezy because he was bored because they were both out <laughs> whacking tennis balls to see if he could, you know, that's the sort of stuff. So um, Sky, you can see that in Sky how uh, he's got a passion for the game and as well, and underlying that is an incredible amount of knowledge. Yeah. Um, I normally do best overseas player, so I'll, I'll do that one first. Who's the best overseas that you've played with? Uh, Murali. Yeah. 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 That was my first year, 2003. He came over halfway through the year um, and just transformed us as a team. Um, he played in silver that year because he, uh, he washed his whites with, uh, with the dark colours. So the rest <laughs> of the whites and, and Murali played in a sort of a, a silvery colour. <laughs> um, who's the best get think about your international career then? Who's, who's the toughest bowler to face? Uh, Warren definitely you know yeah. he, just because of the battle that he put you in um, you know I had some success against him he, he, I didn't find him I felt I could play him but just that battle that you put in um, against him Kumble you know I mentioned him before Kumble I found the toughest I didn't have a clue which way it was turning with him the speed he bowled the height he bowled from uh, you know he would have been more than happy watching me come out to bat against him are you with spinners? Are you, are you bowling? Are you facing the person, or are you facing the bowler? Is that is that the challenge in the mind? Uh, well, you're you're facing what ball comes out. Yeah, um, and you're trying your best to read that, uh, and that's where you've got completely different characters. Kumble and Muralitharan, really quiet. Just let the ball magic do that. Whereas Warren, he he's extra element of the person. You yeah, know, you knew he was sizing you up analyzing you and he could he could speak to you and cut you in half with his words um and put you off that way uh and the ultimate competitor so you know he, he never thought a game was lost uh, uh, best i'm sorry go on. go on yeah so no that's why yeah warning for me would yeah best innings that you've played i reckon i got 178 against somerset at canterbury yeah uh, just felt in control that whole that whole innings. Um, scared scared Trez off declaring he uh, he got he, uh, the local supporters at Canterbury weren't very happy with him because he didn't because of the runs I'd scored in the first innings he refused to um, refused to declare and give us any chance in the second innings and they weren't very happy. Um, best catch. I'm sure they well, I've taken. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not great at remembering the wicket-keeping catches. You know, there's a few that one-handed speckies, but ultimately, for the way it changed my life, it's got to be that. You know, it wasn't the toughest catch, um, but 
edge best in that catch. Uh, really enjoyed the one off Strauss's knee at Manchester. Yeah. We practiced that in training. Um, you know, it was something that Fletch had us doing where the slip catchers would catch the ball and then toss it quickly to the side. So we as players had to be alert. And um, I actually caught two rebounds playing for England. One one off Strauss's leg at Manchester and the other one off Triscothic's head in Pakistan. Um, so it it helped staying alive. Um, yeah, so obviously the edge best and catch is what I'm remembered for ultimately. Um, but there were some other catches around that which probably, you know, which were definitely harder and um, and sort of more skillful. Where's the toughest place to go and play in terms of a ground? Um, question. Um, I'm trying to think, really. I've, I never, I, I enjoyed all, you know, overseas, anywhere you play, any, any sort of overseas test match, I found, you know, that you, you knew you were in for a battle there. Uh, but county grounds, um, I know in the past guys moan, you know, sort of hated playing at Derby. Uh, Leicester was never, you know, people weren't big fans of that. But ultimately, I, I was naive to it. I enjoyed playing everywhere. Um, so I don't really have, not, one doesn't come to mind where where I thought, oh, I hated playing up there. Um, because, you know, what Trent Bridge playing county cricket, I didn't have much success there. But test matches, I've got obviously got that incredible innings to... Yeah. To, to fall back on so um, so yeah no I don't really don't really have a worst one to be honest what about your favourite then love playing at Canterbury you know home home wicket for all those years uh, and then being able to play at Lords um, yeah. ultimate food food played a, played a big part in that uh, the the food that we got served up as as players um, was was incredible and just added to it you knew you knew you were at the home of cricket. You know they did everything for you. It was the cream of the crop, and um, so going there was was incredibly special. Right then, last question then: If you could relive your career from from day one again, would you do it again, or would you leave it be? No, uh, no, no. I'm happy with it. You know, um, roller coaster, hell of a roller coaster, but really glad I went through it. Um, learned a lot about myself um, and had was able to get some great great memories from it excellent thank you so much for your time that's okay Geraint Jones there what a fantastic guest uh, I'd like to thank for his time he's brilliant um, well over two hours worth of chat and I had to edit all that down so I hope you enjoyed it I hope you had a lovely festive period um, and uh, you can hear find us on Twitter at Backfoot Pod. And until next time, stay safe.